0: Dying Light, a podcast exploring scripture, apologetics, and church history from a reformed theological perspective. Here are your hosts, Alex and Paul. Welcome to another episode of Undying Light. My name is Alex. I will be your solo host tonight. Uh, We will be tackling um, our heresy and false teaching episode part Number three. Uh, So last week we talked about legalism and how uh, that still seems to have a grasp on today's church. Uh, This week we are going to be talking and take a bit of a turn. We're going to be talking about progressive Christianity. Uh, So now we're going to be looking at um, some of the more um, modern takes on heresy and false teaching, and um, and then. We've got a couple joint episodes planned with, uh, they're going to do deal with prosperity gospel. Uh, and then Paul and I are going to be doing one on open theism as we go through this series. So some stuff to stay tuned for. Um, don't know when those will actually be produced. Um, but I'm hoping this summer, uh, cause hopefully I'll have one of these each week. And as we look at the various different types of false teachings and heresies that we encounter, uh, so just so we know to clarify, heresy um, by definition is something taught that undermines the gospel. It, it is a contrary to what the Bible says. So it would be a denial of the resurrection, a denial of the Trinity, um, you know, denial of the deity of Christ. Things like that would fall under the heresy um, division. Uh, false teaching is kind of more of a blanket statement if you would that uh, goes towards anything that uh, is contrary to what christ or the apostles taught so uh, or is a kind of a twisting or manipulation of scripture uh, they don't necessarily deny the scriptures they don't deny the text but they use it to um, position themselves for basically uh, earthly wealth um, so obviously it's where the word of faith prosperity charismatic pentecostal uh, movements come from. They're a false doctrine. They're a false gospel. They're not teaching the gospel of Christ. Uh, just so we kind of have that clarification on um, heresy and false teaching. Uh, they These people can fall into heretical views by, um, by walking this line of false teaching. It's very easy. Um, so, but, you know, as we go through this journey together, one of the things I really want to strive for um, is just... Uh, pinpointing a lot of the um, false teachings that are in the church and um, whether they would be heretical or not um, because they're both very close to being uh, the same thing. So we really want to make sure that we uh, understand what we're looking at. So today, we're going to look at progressive Christianity. So this is a movement um, that is really more or less led by uh, liberal Christianity, that has uh, some division to it. But these are people who think that they're more, uh, if you would, inspired to change Christianity. They want to um, be at the forefront of what the secular movement is. They want to um, bring a lot of secularism into um, the the gospel. And uh, so they have a whole slew of teachings that they do. Um, so I'm going to go through actually eight things that are on their website, and we will counteract that with uh, the gospel. And then we've got some signs that your church might be progressing into that, uh, into this um, <laughs> cesspool, if you would, of, of teaching, because some of this stuff is just uh, outright very much not what Christianity is. So uh, I don't know how long today's episode be. 25 minutes maybe, could be a little bit longer, so um, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this, um, but I do want to highlight some of these points, and I want to kind of give us some um, things to really consider and things to pay attention to as we move into uh, our, our church services and things that we need to be paying attention to um, from our leaders and uh, and pastors. So, uh, number one from uh, the, the progressive Christianity movement, it says, believe that the, that following the path and teachings of Jesus can lead to an awareness and experience of the sacred and the oneness and unity of all life. Uh, well, the issue here, in my opinion, is what exactly is the sacred and oneness and unity of all life? If it's all life in Christ, okay. If it's all life in God, okay. But it doesn't say that. It just kind of cliffhangs you. So, belief and following the path and teachings of Jesus is one thing, but it's, you know, we've been over this tons of times, you know. Belief is one thing. Repentance... And self-sacrifice and self-denial, dying to yourself, is what we should be doing as Christians. Um, because you can have the people that follow this path all they want, but then you result in um, the communication from Matthew 7, 21 through 23, where Jesus tells these, this group of people who come to him and say, Lord, Lord, haven't we done all this stuff in your name? And he will cast them away. So following the path doesn't mean you have salvation. Um, Doesn't bring you a sacred or oneness or unity awareness of any of that. Um, It just really makes you a better person. Because even if you don't have salvation, following the path of Christ can still lead you to be a better person. But inherently, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 3 that nobody's good. Nobody seeks after God. So we might try to emulate Christ, but without the Holy Spirit working in us, that emulation is only going to go so far for so long before we get bored and go back to our sinful nature. So that's really directed towards those who um, are not Christian. Um, can they sustain an entire life of this behavior? Uh, I would beg to differ. my That's just my opinion. Number two, affirm that the teachings of Jesus provide but one of many ways to experience the sacredness and oneness of life and that we draw that we can draw on a diverse resources of wisdom in our spiritual journey well obviously let's go ahead and nix that one right in the butt jesus says in john 14 6 i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me there are not many paths. There are not other routes. There are not anything else. Jesus is the only way. He is not one of many. He is literally the only way. Um, now, this isn't directing itself towards salvation. It's saying to experience sacredness and oneness of life. Again, what does that necessarily mean? I honestly haven't dug too deep into their doctrine to um, draw out a definition of what that actually means, but uh, you know what? I am going to take a quick look and then I will um, see if I can't get a better definition because that really seems to be coming up a lot in these rules here. So here is an interesting article. It says, progressive Christianity, and it's using this main source that I um, am going through these eight points, it says, is an open, intelligent, and collaborative approach to the Christian tradition and the life and teachings of Jesus that creates a pathway into an authentic and re- relevant religious experience. Progressive Christians believe that following the path and teachings of Jesus can lead to an awareness and experience of the sacred and oneness and unity of all life. Affirm that the teachings of Jesus provide but one of many ways to experience the sacredness and oneness of life and that we can draw on from diverse sources of wisdom and spiritual journey. We just talked about that. We seek community that is inclusive for all people. We know that the way we behave towards uh, one another is the fullest expression of what we believe. Find grace and search for understanding and believe that there is more value in questioning and an absolute strive for peace and justice among all people. Strive to protect and restore integrity of our earth, commit to a path of lifelong learning, compassion, and selfish love. Actually, that last sentence, or that last little paragraph here is a part of all these eight divisions, so what I'm assuming they mean is that all these eight pieces kind of go together with that sacred oneness. is. Um, again, they're not very clear on that piece. Um, they just use the words without really any uh, definition to it, unfortunately. Uh, the UU Progressive Christian fellowship is the name of uucs christian group it's a member of a larger network of the unitarian universalist christian fellowship these are all progressive christians we meet for christian fellowship grounded in progressive christian theology Uh, we are followers not worshipers of jesus we explore the meaning of a cosmic christ that embodies the universe unitarian universalist principles and respects the fourth source Of the Unitarian Universalism, Jewish and Christian teachings which call us to respond to God's love by loving our neighbors as ourselves. So that's literally all they seem to stand for is just the collective love. Uh, Progressive 21st century Christian thought is not bound to pre-modern, pre-enlightenment beliefs, but incorporates post-modern cosmology into spiritual experience and practices rather than focusing on... Belief requirements of the traditional Christianity or the Unitarian Universalist Progressive Christian Fellowship explores the progressive, uh, I'm sorry, our UU um, explores the progressive Christian movement of the present day. By concentrating on the life and teachings of the historic Jesus, we seek to create and live within a paradigm of distributive justice and compassion. So they don't actually follow Christ. They um follow his they follow his teachings, and they think that that can lead to a sacred oneness and they're not look by the looks of it, they're not really leading towards uh, a salvation they're not making a salvation a stance. they're not saying that um, you know they have any sort of that but what it they're basically declaring is is that all this you know by following Jesus on these levels can lead to Uh, a more deeper spiritual connection with the universe and with, um, with this world as we kind of see a couple little bits in this. So, uh, really has me scratching my head on this because it feels like this is just a, a better way for an atheist to live plain and simple. I mean, um, you can't be a Christian and believe this kind of material because, um, to be a Christian, you don't just follow Jesus. You believe that he is the Christ. You believe that he came and lived a sinless life and went to the cross, died for the sins of the church, for his sheep, and rose from the grave and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Those are crucial pieces. And if you can't affirm to that, then you're not a Christian. And as I've mentioned earlier, living, you know, following these teachings can be good and beneficial to non-believers. But they don't mean much more than just a, an atheist believing, you know, um, in the morality of God, but not actually in God, which is interesting in my opinion. Number three is an interesting dilemma because when we look at this, as we are inclusive to all people, we cover all races, all the two genders. There's only two, um, and we cover all time. However, we are exclusive in the fact that only those that God calls are believers. However, that doesn't mean that we need to shun away unbelievers. We need to be open arms. We need to be loving, caring, and we need to work with these people. We need to be in the world preaching Christ. Um, This is really aiming, this number three here, is really aiming itself to be all-inclusive, that all people can come and join. And Christianity, too... In this, the respect that um, if if you're gay or lesbian, you can still be a Christian after repentance, after you give up that life. There have been gays and lesbians who have been rescued from that lifestyle. Um, gender identities. There's only two genders: man, man, and woman. There's not, you know, whatever you feel of the day. Gender but in today's society there seems to be a plethora of them but when you come to Christ it's not it, it, it's a whole different ball game it, it really really makes you look at who you are and what your identity in Christ is and if you live a sinful life regardless of whether it's a sexual sinful life or it's uh like anger or a, a thief or whatever it is those habits will fall away when Christ calls on you So so number four, know that the way we behave towards one another is the fullest expression of what we believe. So they're very uh, much so this uh, communal type of love that they are to love everybody no matter what. And that's good because that's what the Christian is supposed to do. We're supposed to go into the world. We're supposed to love people. We're supposed to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind and love our neighbors as ourselves. I made a statement on the last podcast that um, might have confused that last statement a little bit. So I want to really clarify that we do not, we are not to love ourselves in the respect that we are to be self-loving, but we are to, um, to live out that command that to, because we are sinful in nature and we love ourselves to love our neighbors equally, if not more than ourselves, we are to be servants to them. We are to be devoted to caring for the rest of the world and not for ourselves. Um, So that's kind of an interesting take. They're very much on this communal love that this is their core, right? They are to love everybody else. Um, If the progressive Christianity um, kind of gets uh, meshed into the liberal left of what is in the U.S., i S I'm going to go ahead and say that they don't necessarily follow all of their decrees because they seem to be some of the most hateful people um, right now in, in, in the U S they, Uh, If you don't agree with their beliefs, they are um, very hostile towards you. And uh, that's a whole other (laughs) issue. So number five, find grace in the search for understanding and belief and believe there is more value in questioning than in absolutes. So here's an interesting take. By declaring that there are no absolutes, they are declaring an absolute so it kind of fails falls flat on their face for them so by declaring that absolute they're basically saying that the bible isn't their source of uh, of doctrine they're they're looking at themselves as being um their objective truth which fails because now they're in the realm of subject subjective truth and uh, again that's a um, another conversation, but what I really want to iterate here is what Paul writes in Second Timothy three sixteen through seventeen. He says that all Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training of righteousness, that man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. So, this, amongst some other writings of Paul, has written gives us this piece that the Scripture is perfect; it's an error; it is. It is The absolute truth of God. And so by these progressives saying that they find grace and and understanding and believe there's more value in just questioning. But what are they questioning here? Because if they're saying that there's no absolute truth, they're making a bold, absolute statement saying that there are no absolute truths. Or that there's more value in just asking questions than in understanding that there is absolute truth. Because now they're... again they're making this declaration that there is no absolute or that the absolutes aren't enough and if we say that god's truth isn't enough then we undermine the entire scripture of itself so number six strive for peace and justice among all people that's a pretty blanket statement but um, you know we can see that that is a peace from it within christianity christ is not um, advocating war uh, christianity isn't Um, out to seek to conquer people. We are to live with uh, peace and to love our neighbors. Uh, We are to respect our governments, as Paul makes clear in Romans 13. Um, So this is a kind of just a a basic morality statement here. So, and uh, number eight is too, but we're going to get to that. Uh, Number seven, strive to protect and restore the integrity of our earth. So they seem to be much more connected to this earth thing. Uh, While Christianity is out to, Um, be good stewards of what God has blessed us with and be good stewards of the ground that God has given us to live on Um, we know that this world is fallen in its sinful and we know that humans will continue to destroy this earth but it is our job and our duty to within our own means to at least keep care of what we have because this is still God's kingdom and so I, I it's an interesting cause it kind of feels like number seven here is out of place and amongst the rest of these, but that's just uh, my perspective. Uh, and number eight, commit to a path of lifelong learning, compassion, and selfless love. So, uh, the Christianity walk is designed to, um, be one of servanthood, dying to yourself. Um, learning is, is always a good thing. Compassion and selfless love for as well for us as well, because, um, That's that servanthood. We are to be good servants. We are to be servants of other people. We are supposed to be good stewards of what God has given us. And we are supposed to be in the scripture for our entire life. So I kind of feel like um, these are just very blanket statements. um, But they say that these are the eight points of progressive Christianity. And this is coming straight from their website. But we can see that they use... This the word Christianity but they're not really Christians. Um, their uh, little emblem is it looks like a river going into a tree so it's kind of more pagan ritual uh, or pagan uh, symbology there. It's not necessarily you know standing on the cross. it's not devoting themselves to the uh, the life of Christ um, and as we've seen, on uh, the Unitarian Universalist site, that they say that they straight up are not believers um, in Christ, that they only just follow him. And uh, that they only, you know, they're not worshipers, they just follow. So they, they don't even probably have an understanding of the deity of Christ at that level. And why it's so crucial that we actually worship him. So those are just those eight points. I kind of wanted to tackle that with um, some scripture and some supportive Christianity stances. Um, Now, here's the interesting thing. Here's some five signs that your church might be moving towards a progressive viewpoint. Um, These are not um, exclusive here. These could be kind of going towards many different um, levels as well. But uh, we're going to cover these and we'll, we'll wrap up for tonight's episode. So number one is there's a lowered view of the Bible. Um, one of the main differences between progressive Christianity and historic Christianity is its view of the Bible. Historically, Christians have viewed the Bible as the word of God and authoritative to our life. Progressive Christianity abandons these terms. So you'll hear things like, well, the Bible is just a human book. It was written by men. They disagree with, you know, Paul or Peter on these issues, especially homosexuality. They'll they'll tell you that Paul was wrong when he wrote Romans and First Galatians. I'm sorry, First Corinthians, not Galatians. They will tell you that the Bible condones immorality, so we're obligated to reject what it says in certain places, or the Bible just contains the Word of God. It is not actually the Word of God. Uh, The progressive Christians enjoy and will push feelings and are emphasized over the facts that your personal experience, your subjective truth now supersedes what the Bible teaches. Uh, You'll hear phrases such as the Bible. That Bible verse doesn't resonate with me. I thought homosexuality was a sin until I befriended some gay people. (coughs) Lauren Daigle. I just can't believe Jesus would send good people to hell. Ooh, That's a good phrase. We should talk about that sometime on a podcast. Number three, essential Christian doctrines are open for reinterpretation. This is a hot topic. Um, so progressive author, I'm going to butcher this guy's last name, so I'm not going to say it. So his name is John Polovitz. Pul- totally butchered that. Uh, he says that there are no sacred cows in progressive Christianity. Tradition, dogma, and doctrine are all fair game because all pass through the hands of flawed humanity. Progressive Christians are often open to redefining and reinterpreting the Bible on hot button moral issues like homosexuality and abortion and also cardinal doctrines such as the virgin conception and bodily resurrection of Christ. There are no sacred. The only sacred cow is that there are no sacred cows. So you'll hear things like the resurrection of Jesus doesn't have any factual it uh, doesn't have to be factual to speak truth. Uh, the church's historic position on sexuality is archaic and needs to be updated within the modern framework and the idea of a literal hollow is too offensive to non-christians needs to be reinterpreted historical terms are redefined so obviously they um they think that the bible is as in the last dance needs to be reinterpreted they will um Uh, Those who say they uh, affirm to doctrines like biblical inspiration, inerrancy, and authority, but they have to do linguistic gymnastics to make these words mean what they want them to mean. I remember this is coming from a quote. This person remembers asking a pastor, do you believe the Bible is divinely inspired? He answers confidently, yes, of course. However, I mistakenly assumed that when I used the word inspired, we both meant the same thing. He clarified months later what he meant. That the Bible is inspired in the same way and on the same level as other Christian books, songs, and sermons. This, of course, is not how Christians have historically viewed. So this is a stance that they can be quote unquote inspired, but they're not the Word of God. Um. So here's some other comments you could possibly hear: is God wouldn't punish sinners; He is just love. That's a great one. That is a big one today. That God is only love. He His love is so extending; He would never judge anybody. All people are uh, welcomed in his kingdom. Um, that's uh, They leave out many, many, many other attributes of God. Sure, the Bible is authoritative, but we've misunderstood that for 2,000 years of church history. Well, again, I've made it clear earlier with Paul's writings that the Bible is the uh, word of God. It's breathed out by God. That means all scripture is perfect and Here's the thing, through time, man has obviously been flawed. We've had poor misinterpretations of the Bible, um, which has resulted in the Catholic Church um, and many other weird denominations, obviously this one. Um, But the Bible itself stands true. Man's version of interpretation changes, but the Bible doesn't. And when we look at interpretation, the Reformers' biggest key was, what does the Bible literally say? A literal translation. A literal interpretation. Another one is that they'll say it's not our job to talk to everyone about sin. It's our just job to love them. This is a big Todd White thing. Uh, He will go around talking to everybody about how God loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. Well, you don't see that as an approach in the Bible. When John the Baptist came out um, out of the wilderness, he was yelling to repent and uh, for the gospel or for the kingdom of heaven was near. You hear Peter preaching that um, Christ preach that repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. You don't hear them walking out of the wilderness saying, Jesus loves you. Come and party with us. You are welcomed just because Jesus loves you here. Let me extend your leg for you. No, I mean, that's the biggest, misinterpretation of the bible that we don't talk about sin and even in churches that are not necessarily progressive even we don't talk about sin as much as we should Uh, and lastly here the heart of the gospel message shifts from sin sin to redemptive uh, sin and redemption to social justice help if i could speak better tonight i'm sorry about that Um, So again, this is a big thing. These churches now are transitioning from truly gospel preaching to progressive social justice buckets. They want to make people feel better about themselves. They want to make people be inclusive. They don't want to actually talk to them about sin. And some of these comments that you could possibly hear are quite interesting. Uh, One is, sin doesn't separate us from God. He made us in his image and he calls us good. God didn't actually require a sacrifice for our sins. The first Christians picked up on the pagan practice of animal sacrifice and told the Jesus story in similar terms. We don't really need to preach the gospel. We just need to show love by bringing justice to the oppressed and provision to the needy. So all three of those obviously are very anti-biblical. We were made in his image, but that image is flawed when Adam and Eve sinned. But Romans tells us, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 3 that none of us are good. None of us seek after God. So if sin is our, our nature, then we must answer for that. Um, and then this last one here is they they could say that we don't need to preach the gospel. We just need to love people. And, you know, we need to be providing for the needy. We need to help the oppressed. Yes, absolutely. But we have to share the gospel in doing that. We have to say that we are sinners. In need of a savior. And that savior is only Jesus Christ. It is not anything else. It is not ourselves. It is not our viewpoint of God. It is not Buddha, Muhammad. It is Christ only. So this was a very quick overlook at what progressive Christianity is. uh, And how they will take some of the minor things of the Bible. And twist and contort them to fit. Uh, their viewpoints and uh, and and fit their theology. Um, they have moved into their own little bucket of religion, if you would, because these are not. This is not Christianity um, at all. This is a um, false doctrine. It's um, it's just a false way and a false hope. And so, hopefully, these things that you could possibly hear from your church. Um, if you start hearing those things, they sound off alarms and you will get yourself out of that church or stand and combat it uh, because this is not what Christianity is. Um, I would highly advise looking at the way John the Baptist preached, look at uh, the Acts of the Apostles and look at how they preached um, when it comes to how do we handle the nature of sin, how do we handle the nature of man, and how do we um, showcase Christ's love. Uh, so I hope this little tidbit today was educational. Um, it was pretty eye-opening to me to get into some of this doctrine to see um, just as how far away from Christianity this uh, group has moved. Um, and, uh, you know, they're just basically glorified uh, social justice warriors now. And uh, so it really is, um, you know, an alarming um feet because you know we see churches that are starting to adapt some of this doctrine and from a and from a reform standpoint it is our duty to counter this we are to be moving after the true gospel and fighting for the true gospel to be preached so i hope this has been edifying i am going to continue going through a whole list of um false doctrines that I have, um, set up and, uh, you know, just kind of identifying some of this and how can we separate what, you know, how do we know that the word of faith is different from the prosperity and how can we know that Christian, li- um uh, liberal Christianities, it could be different from progressive. I haven't gotten that far yet in my studies. So they they're probably pretty close in, in themselves, if not the, the same thing, but we have to be able to identify this. We have to be able to counter this. We have to be able to fight this um, movement. You know, it's no different today than it was in the Reformation when those men picked up and fought f- to preach the true gospel against an oppressive Roman church, Roman Catholic church. So I hope this has been edifying. I hope this... Uh, I hope everybody's enjoying this series and I know Paul's working diligently on his um, hermeneutics uh series and that's been really great. Uh, so I hope you guys really enjoy this content. Uh we are going to be doing a round table with the um with Crisis the Cure tomorrow with Nick. He the guy's a genius, so please go check out his podcast. And uh, give him a follow on social media. He is uh, just an amazing person. And on um, he is absolutely on fire for Christ. So um, give him a follow. You can follow Paul. He is uh, reformed.reg on Instagram. I am reformed underscore lifestyle. And uh, you can engage us there. And hopefully um, through our patron site now, you guys will um, help support our ministry as we try to grow this and start delivering you guys new content, whether it's um, three or four episodes a week, maybe even stuff daily, who knows how big we can get this to go. Um, So if you guys are interested, patron um, has that. The link is in my bio. You can DM me if you have questions, Um, but I would, uh, from the bottom of our heart, we are truly grateful and appreciative of everybody who wants to support this ministry as we look to grow it. So uh, that is all I have for you guys today. Uh, I will be back. Um, probably in one or two weeks with the next episode, we're trying to um, go back and forth so that Paul gets one and then I get one. So, and then we'll do one together, obviously, which we just did unlimited atonement. So we are, uh, I'm sorry, limited atonement. You can scratch that, Paul. Anyways. All right, guys, that's all I got. So Um, make sure you tune into the roundtable when that drops this week and then Paul will drop this episode probably later in the week and then we will be back next week with the next episode Irresistible Grace God bless have fun stay reformed